to those of you at home, I'm imploring you to stop trying to self-medicate and get yourself back into the house of God on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night because you need it. You don't just need to hear the message. You need to be around God's people. You need to be here with us while we're praying. Not just for you. We need your prayers. Amen. Amen. So I'm encouraging you with the uh, writer of Hebrews' words. Um, I'm going to read Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. And let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and unto good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approach. The apostle here is giving us strict commands that we do not forsake the assembling of ourselves. And he's also saying that we're to provoke one another to love and into good works. If you're at home and you're not here, we can't uh, 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 think of you and provoke you unto love and good works. We can't consider you. We can't admonish you, exhort you, pray for you. And you can't do that for us. And chances are if you're not here, you're not really watching this live stream or you're not really reading your Bible and doing the things that you say you're doing when you're not here. I think we run a risk of becoming very apathetic when we refuse to take the Bible's advice when it tells us to meet together. So for those of you at home, stop self-medicating and get yourself to church on Sunday and on Wednesday. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Uh, and, and, and Tabletop Tuesday on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock. Now that I got that out of the way, I'm going to get to my text for the night, okay? Uh, I've got a real short text. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to be in chapter 5. And before I give you the verse, I want to tell you that I made a post about this verse today on Facebook. And on the post, I wrote a little heading, Your Walk Matters. How you walk your life in Christ out matters. How you represent the kingdom of God matters. How you represent Agape Fellowship Church matters. Amen. So I'm going to read, but we're going to read with a little bit of context. So we're going to back up in chapter 5 uh, to verse uh, hmm. Let's see. Verse 14. I think this is a good spot because he says, "Now we exhort you." Okay? So everything that follows this is going to be an exhortation or an imploring that they should do the things that are about to be listed, right? So we're going to read from there until probably at least verse 23. So now we exhort you, brethren, 
Warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good. I want you to underline that. Ever follow that which is good. This is setting an expectation for our key verse, okay? So if you can, just remember this piece of a sentence here in verse 15. But ever follow that which is good, both among you yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now here we have our first mention of this being the will of God. So he's not just exhorting you to things that you should do, okay? He's not even exhorting you to things that might be a good idea for you to do. He's exhorting you to things that he's telling you are the will of God, okay? So let's keep going. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that called you, who also will do it. And we'll stop right there. Let us pray. Father God, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word tonight. Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive what you have given us tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now our text is going to be actually verse 22. And I wrote it down. It's very easy. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the ESV it says abstain from every form of evil. So if there's any evil in it, if there's any secret sin that could be attached to it, if it could even be mistaken for evil, you're to abstain from it. Now in modern Christianity, we don't like that because we like the parts where Paul says you're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we stop right there. We camp our tents right there and say, well, we're saved by grace and not by works. So that means we don't have to do anything. The problem is, no, you don't do a single thing for your salvation. There's nothing that you do to earn your way to heaven. That's true. And there's nothing you're going to do to earn your way anymore into heaven after you're saved. So you're not going to get saved by your works, and you're not going to be kept in heaven by your works. Okay? 
So people go, well, if it doesn't have anything to do with salvation, how come I have to do it? The problem is, Paul does say, you know, by grace are you saved through faith. You're saved by faith in Christ alone. That's true. But Paul also wrote everything I just read. And Paul's admonishment, his exhortation to these people is this. He starts out in verse 14. Now we, who's we? The apostles. Those who are in leadership in the church. He says, we exhort you. So this word exhort, what does that mean? That means they are imploring you to listen to these commands. They are giving you the things that you need to do as a Christian. And they're setting expectations of what a Christian walk looks like. And they're doing it from apostolic authority. He says, we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. So those who don't follow the commands of Christ, those who just think that their Christian life can be lived any way they want, and they can just do whatever they want, he says, you warn them people that they can't do that, that they shouldn't do that, that it's not right that they're doing it. Warn them. Jude tells us to snatch them from the fire, right? Amen. We're to warn people when they're being unruly. He says, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none renders evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good. Now, I want you to underline this, like I said. Ever follow that which is good. So if I am supposed to ever follow that which is good, when I get down to verse 22 and it says to abstain from all appearance of evil, then this means I can't do whatever I want as a Christian. Amen? I don't get to just keep doing things just because, oh, well, that church, they're just being judgmental. They're just telling you. No, we're telling you that your witness looks very poor. We're telling you that you're okaying sin in other people's eyes because you are living unruly. Amen? We must abstain from every appearance of evil. Why? Why? That's the question, isn't it? Because that's the question they're going to ask you. If you don't believe me, just have a conversation with a Christian who doesn't believe this. A Christian who thinks they can live however they want. The first question is, well, we're, we're saved by grace. Why do I got to listen to that? Well, first of all, my first answer is always because God's word says so. And this ain't Old Testament law. This is New Testament doctrine. Amen. This is Paul's admonishment to the church. It holds apostolic authority. And Paul tells us to abstain from it. Peter says, abstain from, abstain from worldly lust that wage war against your soul. Amen? All throughout the New Testament, we're told to run away from sin. We're told to, to uh, not have fellowship with sin, not to have fellowship with darkness, not to love the world, not to love the things of the world. Amen? 
Yet we still have Christians going, well, you know, we're not all. Well, you know, you don't have to do that to be saved. Nobody said that. But that doesn't change the command that we have in Scripture to live our life for Christ and not for ourselves. Period. End of story. He says, but ever follow that which is good. Not that which I like, not that which pleases my flesh, not that which I just, oh, you know, as I don't think there's a problem with that. Isn't it funny nowadays people who name the name of Christ will make excuses for things that God says are absolutely sin? And I'm not even talking, because a lot of churches will, they'll, they'll beat the bar on cigarettes or they'll, 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 uh, beat the bar on on uh, 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 alcohol, which alcohol, you can go one way or the other, okay? It's a sin to get drunk, but it's not a sin to have a drink. Drunkenness is a sin. Having a drink isn't. I can't make a single case that smoking is an absolute sin. Now, I can say harming the body is sinful. And I can say that there's a myriad of ways that we harm our own bodies that we don't consider sin. And we kind of nitpick smoking. But at the same time, we'll allow adultery in the church. We'll allow fornication in the church. We'll allow homosexuality in the church. We'll allow things that are outrightly spoken of. How about this? We just got through reading the other day how we're to put away wrath, anger, bitterness. Amen? It's a sin. And, and as much as nobody wants to hear it, what happened Sunday morning was a sin. It says, let there not be any murmuring or disputing among you. Let that sink in. Amen? So we understand that God has a level of commitment, a pattern of life that he set for the church. Amen? And he tells us, abstain from all appearance of evil i want to go through a few verses with you and we're just going to walk right down the line of these okay and some of them are going to jump right out at you like yeah that makes sense i like that verse i did a lot of cross-referencing on this and i want to go to exodus chapter 23 okay and they're going to go, oh, he's starting in the Old Testament. See, see, I told you. Well, guess what? I only have uh, three Old Testament verses, and I've got seven, eight, nine, ten New Testament verses, okay? Exodus 23, 7. He says, keep thee far from a false matter. And in the innocence and righteous slay thou not. For I will not justify the wicked. And what can I infer from this statement? I can infer this. Jesus did not 
die for me and give his life to save me. He did not create in me a clean heart when I was born again that I might go on living in wickedness. He did not justify me so that I could live in wickedness. Certainly he justified a wicked person because I was dead in my sins and trespasses before I knew him. But I have been born again. And not only have I been born again and created into a new, a new man. The Bible says if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. So that's true, right? So if I'm born again and I'm in Christ and all things have become brand new, guess what else I am? I am not my own. This body is not my own. It's God's. My life is not my own. It's Christ because I have been bought with a price. Therefore, I glorify God in my body, which is God's. Amen? So we have a clear mandate here where he's telling them in the Old Testament, you stay away. Keep far from a false matter. Keep far away from it. And don't you dare slay the innocent for I will not justify the wicked beloved you'll go well you know he, you know he, he, he was talking to people that didn't know him nope that was his people he was telling that to another one just over in Exodus 34 okay Exodus 34 point of these the point of these scriptures is this yes God saves us and redeems us he saves those who don't deserve him he saves those who couldn't earn him he we didn't deserve it we didn't earn it God saved us freely but in that salvation comes a responsibility to live our life unto God and he's not gonna justify us in our wickedness so that we can stay in our wickedness and continue to do wickedness. Amen. The idea of salvation is to bring us out of darkness into light from sin to righteousness, from being separated from God to holiness. Amen. Let's go to another one. Isaiah 33. Isaiah 33. If I can find Isaiah, we'll be there. There we go. Isaiah chapter 33, verse uh, 15. He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly, he that despiseth the gain of the oppression, that shaketh his hand from holding of bribes that stoppeth his ears from hearing uh, from the hearing of blood and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil he shall dwell on high his place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks bread shall be given unto him and his waters 
shall be sure. I want you to understand unequivocally God's expectation is that we strive after righteousness. That we, that we not only walk in righteousness, but we speak uprightly. That we despise oppression. That we despise sin. Amen. That we despise bribery or, in other words, dishonesty. Amen. We're to despise dishonesty. Let's go a, a step further. And this is a very familiar passage. I don't know that we need to actually go here. But I'm going to go ahead and turn to Psalm 1.1. Just so we can read Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. What does it say? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. It is very important that he's giving you three understandings. Number one, you are not walking in the counsel of ungodly people so the world is not your counselor where's my counsel come from verse three he shall uh, or verse two his delight is in the law of the lord so where does my counsel come from the law of god not the world amen so if i'm trying to solve problems in a worldly way with worldly wisdom I can't expect godly results right. I'm not standing in the way of sinners notice the word standing okay certainly all of us do sin and fall short of the glory of God amen None of us are perfect, and yes, we are all flawed, but we are not called to just stand right there and do just what sinners do. We're called to do what God's Word tells us to do. Not what I think, not what I want, not what the world wants, not what all the other sinners are doing, but what the Bible, God's word, commands me to do. And finally, we don't sit in the seat of the scornful. We do, not, we do not look to God's word as scornfully. We don't look at it scornfully. We don't uh, despise his word. We look to his word with joy, knowing that he has our best interests. In giving us those commands they're not a scornful thing to us we welcome them how do I know that's how he feels because his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law doth he meditate both day and night amen this is what we're this is the attitude we're called to have in following God and in abstaining from every appearance of evil not because we earn our way to heaven that way, because we certainly do not. Not because we earn some other rung on our level of salvation, because we certainly do not. But we do it because it pleases God, and we realize it's the best thing for us. Now let's go to the New Testament. Go to the book of Ephesians, chapter Five. Ephesians chapter 5 you don't know where Ephesians is it's right after Galatians 
We're going to go to chapter 5. We're going to be in verse 7 and 11. I could read the whole thing, but for time's sake, I don't really want to. But let's start at verse 3, okay? He says, but fornication and all uncleanness. Notice how broad this statement is. Ephesians 5, verse 3. But fornication and all uncleanness. Amen? Or covetousness. Let it not be, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. You having a hard time getting your Bible open, Mike? Yeah. We're in verse 3. We're in verse 3. You were in Galatians, I know. So he starts out. I said, you were in Galatians. We are in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians. E-F. E-F. E-P-H-E-S-I-A-N-S. Ephesians. E-F. Good grief. Three. We're starting at verse three. That's the funniest thing I ever heard in my life. Ephesians, E-P-H-E-S-I-A-N-S, okay, Ephesians. I was looking at the word fornication when I said that, okay. But fornication, notice he always starts with sexual sin. Why? Because sexual sin to God is the most gross sin. Because all other sins are without the body. But he who commits fornication commits sin against his own body. Amen. So Paul starts out, but fornication, and then he gives a generality, all uncleanness, all uncleanness. Anything that is not clean, that's not wholesome, that, that, that we're going to get to in a minute in, a, in Philippians where he says, whatsoever is good, whatsoever is lovely. And the problem is the things that we argue about in church, whether I should or shouldn't do, most of the time are really filthy things that we're trying to hold on to. And he says here, don't hold on to any unclean thing. Amen? All uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be once named among you. Now, how can he make a demand of people who aren't perfect, who sin all the time, but how can he make a request saying, let this not be once named among you? Because here's the thing, beloved, and I want to make this really clear. Before we were in Christ, Ephesians 2. Let's just flip over to Ephesians 2 just for, just for a second. Go to Ephesians 2, and it's not spelled with an F. <clears throat> Chapter 2. We're going to read verse 1. And you hath he quickened. Now I want to make note of something. Who were. You hath he quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sins. Can I make you understand the emphasis of this word were? Not you are. Chapter one or chapter 2 verse 1, Mike. You 
hath he quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sins. What does the ESV say, Mike? And you were dead. Not you are, you were. The emphasis on this Greek statement is past tense. It is not present, okay? This is not a present reality. This was a past reality, okay? Yes, before we knew Christ, we were dead in our sins and trespasses. But when we came into Christ, we are no longer powerless against sin. We are no longer the same as we were before. So we're not totally powerless in our fight against sin. We're not totally helpless to our sin as we were before we knew Christ. Okay? Because those that are in Christ have several things going for them. Number one, Christ has saved them, given them a new heart that God can write his law upon and cause us to walk in his ways. How does he do that? By the Spirit of God, by the application of the work of Christ to the heart of a human being, we are enabled to follow God. We are enabled to follow the commands of Christ. So to pretend that we're just as helpless as we were before we met Christ is looking the atonement square in the face and spitting on it. Christ died to save sinners. Christ died for your sanctification. He did not just die to give you a get out of hell free card and you can keep living however you want. This is God's will, your sanctification. And that's in Thessalonians 2. Matter of fact, let's go find it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. So if it was impossible for us to do this, why does he say that our sanctification is the will of God? He says that we're supposed to know how to possess our own vessel in sanctification and honor. Why does he have this expectation? Because we are not just as powerless as we were before we met Christ. That is false. Yes, we were dead in our sins and trespasses. Yes, we were powerless to the, to the, to the world, the flesh, and the devil. Yes, we were powerless to the sin that had us dead and enslaved. But we are no longer so. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We have power and it's not ours it's christ's it's the holy spirit he says in romans 8 13 those who live after the flesh will die but if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the flesh ye shall live 
He has an expectation that we, we kill sin in our life, that we abstain from worldly lust, that we abstain from fornication here in 1 Thessalonians 4, that every one of us should know how to possess our own, uh, here it says our own vessels. I believe the ESV says to possess your own soul. What does it say? 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 4. Read it. Control his own body. Keep reading. What, read the whole thing. In holiness and in honor. Amen? You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to possess your own body. You're supposed to be in control. Why? Because one of the fruits of the Spirit, in other words, one of the fruits of being born again is self-control. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And that sound mind in the ESV and the NIV says self-control. Amen? Why? Because we are not as powerless as we once were. Now I'm going to go back to Ephesians 5, and we're going to keep reading. Because I really want to get uh, this verse out here, okay? We started at verse 3. Uh... Verse 4, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather the giving of thanks. Now watch this, verse 5. For this ye know that no whoremonger, no unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Verse 7 is a key. Be ye therefore be not therefore partakers with them. Don't be partakers with them. Can I put it in Kevin O'Connor English? Don't do the things that I just named. You don't partake in those things. You're not supposed to do them. Amen? Do not be partakers with them. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Verse 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. In other words, there's no fruit of the Spirit in uncleanness, unrighteousness, covetousness, or any of the things that they just named, good, uh, all, all the fruit of the Spirit are in righteousness, goodness, and truth. Period. Verse 10. Prove what is acceptable unto the Lord. Or, excuse me, not prove. Proving what is acceptable unto unto the Lord have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness rather reprove them not just expose reprove that means you are exhorting others not to do it and if you see them do it you are commanding them telling them admonishing them stop doing those things they are not good you are not abstaining from every, uh, the appearance, 
from every appearance of evil. You're not abstaining from every appearance of evil doing these things. Uh, Jude, if you flip back to the book just before uh, Revelation here, just one little book. I, I used to mess with people and say chapter 1, verse 23, but there's only one chapter, so it doesn't make any sense to say chapter. Uh, we're going to start at verse 21 and read to verse 23. Keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. I'm supposed to, and most of the time, when people are defending doing things that are unbiblical, what do they say? Well, I just feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, it feels really good to me. It's just natural. Yeah, it's natural because your body, this dirt suit you're living in, still loves sin. And there's a war going on inside of you. Paul talks about this in Romans 7. He said, the thing that I want to do, I don't do. The thing that I do want to do, I, or the thing I want to do, I don't do. And the thing I don't want to do, that's the thing I end up doing. Oh, what a wretched man am I, right? Who will save me from this body of death? The flesh is always going to be warring against your spirit. And you're not supposed to listen to every little thing that your flesh wants to do because it wants to do evil. Period. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. If you want to know where Philippians is, it's right before Colossians. That helps. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to start, uh, I think I'm going to start at mm, verse 8. Yeah, I think I'm just going to read verse 8. I might read a few more. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely whatsoever things are of good report if there's any virtue if there be any praise think on these things those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do and the God of peace shall be with you. Now, I want to make mention here because this is mostly talking about what we're to think about. But if we're not to think about worldly things like covetousness, idolatry, fornication, then what are we supposed to think of? Because so often we just get told, hey, don't do this. So when I'm, if a, if a fornicating thought comes to my mind that I'm supposed to take captive every thought that sets itself up against the image of Christ. So what am I supposed to do after that? I'm to think on good things. Amen? You're a husband. You're supposed to go, no, I'm going to think about my wife. No, that was wrong. Right? If you're a teenager and you ain't married, you're going to go, oh no, I'm not supposed to think about anybody like that till I get married. Why? Because this honors God. Amen? 
Because it's right, because it's just, because it's pure, because there's good virtue in it. That's why. Exactly. It's not, just a, it's not just, oh, hey, I'm going to abstain from this. Right. It's abstaining from that and doing the virtuous. Right, because most Christians get hung up right here, right where Kyle's talking about. We get stuck right where we, we get told, don't do this. And we don't go any farther. We're just like, well, I'm supposed to abstain from God, uh, uh, you know, ungodly lust. I'm supposed to abstain from worldly lust. I'm supposed to abstain from fleshly lust. Well, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to run after whatsoever's good, whatsoever's pure, whatsoever's of good report. I'm supposed to run after godly things. I'm supposed to seek Christ. I'm supposed to seek to glorify Christ. If I'm married, I'm supposed to seek to, to, to do good to my wife. I'm supposed to seek to love my wife, to honor my wife, to, to provide for my wife. I'm supposed to seek to, to do good unto my children. I'm a do you see what I mean? I can't just stop fornicating. I can't just stop thinking fornicating thoughts. I must start thinking towards my wife, towards God, and towards my wife. Right. Amen? You run the opposite direction. Amen? Uh, 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 backbiting. I'm not supposed to backbite, but what am I supposed to do? Well, instead of backbiting, I'm going to go to the person I was backbiting about, and I'm going to go exhort them and encourage them and pray for them because that's what I'm told to do. Right. I'm told to pray one for another. I'm told to think. What, what do we read first in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23? Uh, th uh, think about one another and provoke one another unto good works. That's what I'm supposed to be doing instead of backbiting. Instead of gossiping, instead of slandering, the opposite of that is talking, uh, speaking good one to another. Amen? Admonishing one another in songs, hymns, spiritual songs. That's what I'm supposed to be doing instead of the other. So it's not just stopping the sin, but pursuing righteousness. Amen. So you can't just stop and say, well, I'm supposed to stop this, so I'm just going to abstain. And, and all I'm doing is standing around trying to abstain. The problem is if you're just standing around trying to abstain, sooner or later you're playing with this lust and it's going to win. What you need to do is, yes, abstain, but run after righteousness. Go do the right thing. Yeah. Amen. Right, you don't, can't. You stopping can't. doing evil is not righteous. You've got to go do the righteous thing. That's right. You can't just stop the evil. You must pursue the righteous thing. Because simply stopping or abstaining from unrighteousness is not in and of itself righteous. You must go and pursue the righteous course of action. Amen. That's why we're admonished to go and think on these things, do these things. Now turn with me, if you will, to Romans 13, and I'm almost done. I knew, I knew, if I know anything, when I say I'm almost done, I know my wife will amen me, okay? <laughs> so, we're going to read verse 13 of chapter 13, and we're going to read for verse 14. He says, huh? Romans 13. 
Romans 13, 13. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Notice how Paul deals with this issue. He says, yes, certainly we are to walk honestly. So uh, if I don't want to walk dishonestly, what do I do? I walk honestly, okay? If I'm not walking in riotousness or drunkenness, so what do I do? I walk in sobriety, right? And self-control, okay? So if I'm not uh, running after uh, being in chambering, okay? I'm, I'm hoping that I can get a note here out of this on chambering. Chambering is sexual immorality, okay? So chambering means sexual immorality. Now, what does the ESV say there in verse 13? Read it to me, Mike. Right. Right. So we're not supposed to walk in sexual immorality. We're, and the King James says, and wantonness. And wantonness is, the, the literal term is debauchery, okay? We're not supposed to walk in this sexual immorality. So what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to be sexually pure. If I'm married, I'm gonna be, I'll only be sexually active with my wife. If I'm not if I'm not married, I'm not going to be sexually active until I have a wife. Amen? The reality is we're not supposed to walk in these. And what was the, the last word that it said instead of chambering and wantonness? It, you had sexual immorality and what? Verse 13. Right. Sensuality. See, because that's something that's going on right now in the church. Well, I'm not really, uh, I'm not really sleeping with them, Pastor. But if you're being sensual with them, you're still walking in the thought process of committing sexual immorality. Okay, that's sensualness. Okay, you're 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 considering it or you're flirting with it. Okay, finally, not in strife and envy okay we're not to do these things and then he says but but what put ye on the lord jesus christ and make no provision for the flesh so in other words you must do the opposite of the things that he's saying to do and christ is the only way i'm going to be enabled to do that amen so you put on the lord jesus christ and you make no provision for the flesh. Now, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, we already read it. Verse 7 is a key, okay? And I'm just going to turn back there. You don't have to turn back there with me. I, I want to read this because it, it has a key in it that I want to give to you. Uh, verse 7 says, For God hath not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. Okay? 
I want you to get this. God calls you to holiness. What does that mean? He called you to live after Christ. And this type of holiness ain't uh, I'm holy because it's not talking about holiness before God. It's talking about holiness in action. Okay. It's talking about what you're doing. Okay. This is literally sanctification. Okay. Our walk of sanctification. Go ahead. You're holding your hand up, Cal. Oh, no, I'm lifting my head. We are to walk in holiness. We're not called to unholiness and unrighteousness, but to righteousness and holiness. He did not justify us so that we could walk in wickedness. He did not. Period. And the Bible makes no excuse for the Christian to do so. None. You look like you keep looking like you want to say well, no, something. I, I'm just, well, it's just the same principle that I'm thinking, but you know, it's just kind of, I mean, it's simple, but it's profound that, uh, you know, holiness isn't just not doing unrighteous things. Right, I just, right. I just, that, that's my huge takeaway from this. It's not what I'm not doing, it's what I can What I should be doing, what I right. Should be doing. Yeah. It's not, it's not just. Right. You're just not doing the wrong things, but you're not doing the right things to happen. Right. And so, so many Christians miss that. It's just this strict asceticism. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do mm -hmm. that. But they're not walking after God's true godliness. Right. So I'm going to read another verse. 1 Peter chapter 2. Okay. And this is a very good verse for you to remember. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15. For so is the will of God, that with doing, with well-doing, ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So when you get asked the question, well, how come I got to live all these? How come I have to live holy? How come I have to strive after good things? How come I have to think good thoughts? And how come I have to uh, run after righteousness and holiness? Why? Here's the answer. If you want an answer to give some Christian who's trying to defend their own sin before you, this is the answer. Why am I doing this? Because the will of God is that with my well-doing, I will be able to silence the ignorance of foolish men. What does the ESV say there in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15? Exactly. We live holy lives because we're supposed to be light and salt and we're not to have fellowship with the world we're not to love the world or the things of the world and if we are loving them and doing all the worldly things yet leaving all of the godly things that god tells us to do alone we are still not doing what god called us to do and we should repent and begin doing the right thing. Amen?
what is the right thing, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is the good report. That's the right thing. Abstain, yes, but run after Christ and do the right thing because my good works. What did Jesus say? He said, when we love our enemy and do good for those that hate us, he says, then men will see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Why? Because my living for Christ is a witness to the world and it silences the foolishness of the world. But if I keep living like the world, all the world really sees is a hypocrite. All the world really sees is that this Jesus didn't really do anything for me because I'm just like them. The problem is, beloved, if you're in Christ and they're not, it's not just a little difference. People go, oh, the only difference between uh, uh, us sinners in the church and the sinners out of the church is, is we believe in Jesus. But you don't realize the chasm that lays between there. Because where you were once dead in your sins and your trespasses, powerless over sin, powerless to fight against sin, now you have been freed by the blood of the Lamb. He's called you to follow Him, to take up your cross, to run after Him. There's a world of difference between those inside the body and outside the body. There should be a world of difference between the church and the world. There should be all kinds of difference. And the fact that there isn't means that Christians everywhere, or at least people who profess to be Christians, are falling short of their duty to live their life unto Christ. And they still yet need to have Christ put in their heart. Or at the very least, they're not crucifying the old man. Which we are told to do. Amen? Finally, if you turn back to Philippians. Last verse. Can I get an amen? Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read verse 14. And 15. Do all things without murmurings or disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. That's why we should live holy lives. That's why we should abstain from all appearance of evil. That's why we should abstain from the lust of the flesh. That's why we should run after and do exactly as what Colossians chapter 1 or chapter 3 tells us to do. To set our mind on things above. To set our affections on things above. And not on things of this world. Why? Because we have not been called unto unrighteousness. We've not been called to sin, but to righteousness and holiness. And we have been called to abstain from every evil appearance, from doing anything that would possibly look evil. The very appearance 
of evil. Why? Because our walk matters. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Lord, we praise you for your grace, for your mercy, for your loving kindness. Lord, we thank you for the free gift of grace that Jesus Christ gave us when he, when he softened our dead hearts, when he ripped out of our chest that stony heart and plunged within our chest a heart of flesh. When he spoke to this earthen vessel and said, come back to life. When we heard the voice of the Savior calling. And those who were dead, lifeless bones with no flesh on them jumped out of their spiritual graves and stood upright. The breath of God came back into them. The answer is yes, these dry bones can live. And Christ has called us to live not unto ourselves, but unto him and to glorify his Father, which is in heaven. Lord, I pray that you would help your church to realize that our walk matters and that we are to abstain from even the appearance of evil. Help us in this endeavor, Lord. Strengthen us for this fight and help us to wage a good warfare. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.